Hello and welcome to The Entrepreneurs on Monocle Radio, the show all about inspiring people, innovative companies and fresh ideas in global business. Today's programme features two businesses with bite. We're talking teeth with two pioneering brands changing the game in luxury oral care. From Stockholm... Each of the aromas we're making, I see them sort of like they're, they're like painting for the mind. And I'm really driven by the creative process. It's the most rewarding thing. And in London, for an update from some friends who are hatching plans to expand the revolutionary zeal they brought to brushes. What we've been really spending time on is focusing on whatever we come out with next. It has to make sense and has to be as good as our, our current product. This is The Entrepreneurs with me, Tom Edwards. You're listening to The Entrepreneurs. We start with Stockholm toothpaste and mouthwash brand Selahattan, which was founded by the Swedish-Turkish entrepreneur Christopher Vorel in response to a desperate personal crisis. While still in his 20s, Christopher suffered a stroke. While hospitalised and suffering from paralysis, he developed hypersensitivity around tastes and smells and experienced synesthetic colour reactions to different scents. All of which started him on the journey to found Selahattan, artisanal oral care products designed to elevate the everyday experience of toothbrushing. Here's Christopher. Essentially, when I was younger, I had a stroke and I was paralysed on the left side of my body and I ended up spending a year in the hospital. So the stroke really messed with my brain. It lost its ability to filter noise, scent, taste, sound. But if you're also sensitive, if it's also you experience something that's quite pleasurable you really see the beauty of it. And I think especially when you're suffering, you pay attention, more attention to what's beautiful in life. Yeah, being in rehab was a, was a really dark time of my life. I'm not going to lie. I just remember I really hated brushing my teeth because that's the way you start and end your day. I just started thinking there's got to be a, be a better way you can do this because I can't think of any products that are more soul crushing <laughs> it's like they're literally made with zero percent love and also like my father came from turkey my mom's swedish so i have a foot in both cultures and so like the eastern palates are slightly different so after dinner you may chew on clove or like ginger or cardamom something like that to freshen up so I'll, I thought it would be interesting to sort of like broaden the scope of what could be considered like refreshing. Yeah, listen, it's an amazing story. And I'm so interested in people who are able to channel such a difficult experience, something that's so challenging, that must be so draining, plainly physically challenging, but emotionally and mentally draining and turn that into something positive. I don't know, how did you do that? Was it about having different support networks because you're battling so many very immediate challenges to then take on what we know is always so intense trying to start a business. How did you ensure that you had the frameworks that you needed? Was it about building collaborations, partnerships, having good people around you? I actually had a pretty poor support network. I've always been somewhat of a like lone wolf. I faced a lot of adversity in life. One week after the stroke, I was in a wheelchair and I was speaking to my like doctor's physical therapist and then I said, in six months, I'm going to run a uh, 10 kilometers race and I'm going to do it in 40 minutes. And they all just laughed. You know, not because they were mean, but it just seemed preposterous. And then six months later, I ran it in 42 minutes. 
and I was so disappointed with myself actually like I, <laughs> that's, that's pretty that's pretty swift at the best of times so this is really interesting to me so do you think this is your facility to achieve things that are difficult it's all about internal you set your your targets internally you challenge yourself internally I mean that sounds like a a crazy undertaking what what is going on in your head when you make that decision how do you keep that discipline and that because it's so intense to try and do something like that how do you do it yeah i think it, you know part of it is just a survival mechanism it's mm. sort of like you just it's just your brain blocking out the, the possibility or like the risk that your life could be over your life as you know it could be over mm something like that happens when you also like take like a stock of your life mm. and to me it was sort of like I just wished I had done more with my life I wish I would have worked harder and then you're confronted with all right so when I leave what would I like to have made of myself mm. and I, I think part of what Salatin is doing it's quite interesting because like most brands they do a small variation of something that already exists and I think what we're doing is actually it's so out of the box. At the same time, it's so really logical. It really makes sense. I can't believe anyone hasn't done this before, to be honest. Well, that's like all the all the great ideas. There's this <laughs> moment where you think, why isn't this the way that it's always been done? So tell me, how do you then channel all of that energy into this development? I asked you this before we had the full background, but talk to me about the product then. You have this idea of mixing even these sensibilities and these cultural influences which i think is really interesting from your from your background and we can understand then the relentlessness of your pursuit of this project but once you get down to the nuts and bolts of developing it what does that look like is it the classic again entrepreneurial story of making things in your bathtub and all this kind of thing (laughs) tell me a bit about that for sure the stroke gave me something which is called synesthesia which it could be like relevant knowing also, but just basically my brain conflates two senses. So I, I perceive scent and taste as colors. So each of the aromas we're making, I see them sort of like they're like paintings for the mind. And I'm really driven by the creative process. I think that mm-hmm. it's the most rewarding thing. And, and I'm able to take a lot of pain just to be able to keep pursuing that because it's such a rewarding thing to do. But as the marketplace exists for this product category, it's like there are no niche brands or boutique brands, so that means there are no niche suppliers either. Mm. So mm. so that was really challenging because essentially it's, I want to do toothpaste and I want to use aluminum tubes, which none of the production lines are equipped to handle. I want to use a lot of like, different aromas, which typically not available to them because everyone just wants a mint and yeah. and all of the aromas that's also like a mass market it's a billion dollar industry mm-hmm. so they don't work with niche players either and of course then there's the question of volume let's just say it was challenging and i may be yeah i went through four or five suppliers before i found someone in switzerland that believed in the vision and hopefully mm-hmm. in me as well yeah i mean that's amazing and how do you then communicate as you said that, because I think synesthesia is so interesting, and I always wonder about how you can communicate that particular sensitivity, because you have this complete clarity about it in your mind, but yeah. it's hard maybe to express that to other people. How did you? How did you do that, or did you just need to find people who 
felt passionately that this was a sector that needed to be challenged and needed some disruption and creative thinking? Essentially, like you have to maybe not start with synesthesia, but you break it down and you just think about from first principles. I showed them a slide of this is a picture of what a modern bathroom looks like. And this is a picture of what oral care looks like. So what's wrong with this picture? I really think of it as it's the missing link in the beauty ecosystem. Mm. Because let's say you're a discerning beauty consumer and you're using brands like Chanel, Aesop, Pyrido, Hermes, and then you have a Colgate or it's like you're flying first class or like business with Qatar Airlines and then you get Tom Ford, Aesop and Pepsodent. You know, what's wrong with that picture? <laughs> yeah, well, no, and it seems glaring. And tell me then about the reaction, because I guess for any entrepreneur who does go out on a limb, who is addressing risk and has the added challenges of overcoming your, your personal story, yeah. once you then get something out there and people say, oh, my God, I love this, can you even describe what that moment is like? Yeah, the, I mean, that's really rewarding. In the end, I think that's the the best thing about it when that happens but there are also some naysayers out there so you know starting companies is pretty stupid (laughs) (laughs) and then starting a company after you had a stroke that stupidity squared (laughs) and then do do, do you take it personally if people say i don't get it or i don't like it or do you have to try and have that discipline to not not take everything personally and look for the next the next opportunity to change people's judgment how do you navigate that it's hard but i also feel like it's just a matter of when the market will correct itself eventually that's just how a market operates it's just a matter when but of course you know i'm not a really patient guy so it's (laughs) (laughs) again there aren't that many really patient entrepreneurs either no tell me a bit about the reaction from because you've mentioned a couple of the big players and it is this odd area where there's a very small number of huge players who are so dominant what do they make of you and your and your brand i mean some of them have like there's been a player who sort of got in touch because they wanted to use some of our material in a presentation and i said all right fine (laughs) but my bet is that in 10 to 15 years even the products in the supermarket are going to be more reminiscent of you know what we're doing in terms Mm. of maybe design and especially like the variety and the flavor options. So I do think that we have the potential to be or like to do maybe what Tesla did for EVs. We can do for this industry or or even what Apple did for personal computers because in the way they forged an alliance between art and science. Mm. Yeah, you've got to combine both worlds. And I think that's when it gets exciting for real. Well, definitely. that's And that is when really game-changing brands make real enduring enduring impact listeners may not know the specific products you've mentioned a couple of them already but just tell us about the actual things that you that you make what can people purchase what can they enjoy and maybe tell us a bit about how these products make their days better yeah i mean so we have a line of whitening toothpaste and mouthwashes and oral sprays one of my favorite aromas is called, of course, I still love you. And it has verbena, bergamot, cardamom, pine, and on top of three layers of mint. So there will always be like a base of something that's quite refreshing. 
but something that's also is something that moves you emotionally. Mm. To me, that's like a poem in a toothpaste. And it's such a strange thing to say that I just love it. I just, yeah, it's inspired by a painting by an, an artist named Andrew Wyatt, which is called Christina's World. The colors are quite light, but it has dark connotations. So I just mm. tried translating that with a verbena and bergamot, which has sort of like that lightness, but also the dark spices and woody characters. It's amazing to talk with such lyricism and poetry about products with which perhaps people don't associate that, I think is really interesting. And it describes your background, because I know you worked as a as a journalist. You did air quotes when you said journalist to me <laughs> yeah. before you started recording. But it's interesting, because you obviously bring that sensibility, the value of a powerful narrative. And I think that's interesting, because that's your personal story, has that potency, yeah. but also this lyricism, that interest, the idea that you're fashioning flavours and senses and experiences and you're shaping it to a visual image is so interesting and it explains why you're an outlier tell me what that can do for somebody as you said earlier you bookend your day with these experiences you don't even really think about them people kind of sleepwalk through their days don't they yeah does it unlock a different way of looking at things that tell us how it can be transformational for people in a sense i think it's a ritual or it's not for most people, but I think it can be a ritual. And I think like humans perform rituals because maybe as a means of like aligning the connection between body and mind, so it can be an act of meditation. I don't know what it is about scent and taste. They also have the the possibility to move you in place and time because I do have some aromas which are inspired by childhood memories from when I was a kid in Turkey and we were on this boat in the ocean and I was coming out of the water and just having the sun in your face. And But the essence of it maybe is sort of like escapism for me, I think. Mm. It's sort of like it's, it's born out of a dark place. And at the start, I just wanted to experience something that would lift me out of my everyday uh, problems and just be taken to a magical place for a moment. The magic is really what I'm after or like what I'm looking for. And yeah. I am hope to provide for other people as well. Yeah, chase chase that magic. Tell me a little bit about what you're most excited about now. Obviously, as the business grows, becomes successful, you get that feedback from people that they're enjoying the products and that they have connected with that change in perception and experience, which must be amazing. But what's next? Well, what are you most excited about as this journey continues? Yeah, we have some really exciting collaborations coming up. And, uh, of course, we haven't really covered all of the ground in the oral category yet. Uh, I'm not sure what I sh- should <laughs> divulge here. You can give away some trade secrets if you uh, want. But. No, but um, um, I mean, we're looking to do a tribute for uh, Guide Michelin. So next year will be 115 years since they launched or like they translated Guide Michelin to English for the first time. And I think originally it was called Guide Michelin Rouge. And give us red book. So I'm going to create an aroma, which is called Rouge. So it's going to taste like the color red. And to me, that's the most exciting thing at the moment. So I'm not that driven by money. I hope my investors don't hear this. but <laughs> They may be listening. They may be listening, Christopher. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> but it, so money is more like the means of like just create new opportunities and the ability to do like bigger things. So it's really important that we keep growing and start making a profit so we can, you know, stick around. That was Christopher Vorel, the founder of Sellerhatton. Sellerhatton has been called 
the world's most sophisticated toothpaste brand by Monocle magazine. What do they know about it? I'm joking, of course. You can learn more about the brand and why we think that by heading to sellerhatton.com. You're listening to The Entrepreneurs. Friends of Monocle, Mark Rushmore and Guy Safavi are the co-founders of Suri, the toothbrush company, on a mission to make perfect products that are genuinely more sustainable, but with no compromising quality, performance or design. Mark and Geef told me all about the brand and those sustainable rituals from which it takes its name back in 2022. But we caught up again recently for an update on the businesses and their families' amazing growth since and to hear what other tricks they might still have up their sleeves. Mark began by reflecting on the journey so far. It's really hard to believe that we are where we are now. We're so lucky to have had a really fantastic 16 to 18 months since we launched At that point, it was our baby. We were putting it out into the world. Now, we have over 3,000 five-star reviews on Trustpilot. We are the most highly rated electric toothbrush. And people say that they're actually looking forward to brushing their teeth and that they love brushing their teeth, something that they never thought they'd say. And I think, actually, if we had to capture the magic of the time since launch, it really is that people just really enjoy using the product. It's a game changer. I think I said it before. And... People enjoy brushing their teeth. Dentists of the world celebrate or maybe don't celebrate. I don't know. It's, it's kind of bad news for them in a way. That's really interesting what Mark said, this sort of baby of yours into the world. You've also been preoccupied by putting actual babies out into the world. What a madcap 18 months or so it's been. How's it been treating you? Amazing. My daughter literally was born right before we've closed our first round. And now we have another daughter on the way. I know all the B shows on YouTube. So my personal life is spending time with my daughter and I absolutely love that. And also Suri, my other baby, with Mark. And can I just add something to what Mark said? I vividly remember being on this show and you being very impressed with the product. I was so surprised. You were like, oh, it looks really beautiful. It's really nice. I could use this. And I <laughs> and I remember thinking, well, if Tom thinks it's amazing, maybe we have some chance of doing well. Absolutely. I remember saying that to Mark afterwards, being like, well, he thinks it's great. He sees a lot of things. We have a chance here. And we've been so fortunate, as Mark said, to have been able to to come to where we are. And we're obviously still looking to do a lot of things going forward. But I'd say, you know, we were probably three or four people at that time. We're now at 12. And we, we've been able to amass a, just an amazing team. Yeah, well, let's talk a little bit about the sort of business mechanics of where you were then and where you are now. How smooth or challenging has that been, Mark? It's been pretty quick. But in terms of growing the business, talk a little bit about some of the big challenges or things that you look back on and think, wow, that was, that was a big accomplishment in the time since. Certainly. So when we last saw you in June, we'd only launched a month before. And so we were just getting you know our initial orders. So that was fine from a supply chain perspective. Now we do over £1 million in revenue per month and we're selling over 15,000 brushes a month. So it's a totally different scale as to what it was before. And that comes with different challenges. Additionally, We have new relationships, so we launched in Boots in the UK, who are the largest seller of electric brushes in the UK. we just been named by Coop in their gift guide as one of the gifts for Christmas, and we're working with some exciting US retailers, which we'll be able to reveal in the coming months. And so it's just really managing that growth effectively whilst being true to our sustainability goals. So during the last year since we saw you, We also became B Corp accredited. We've saved hundreds of tons of carbon through the work that we're doing. And we're always pushing the boundaries on making our product more sustainable. So we have some 
fantastic sustainable innovation coming through. Nagib, I remember when we spoke in the first time, already I was probably annoyingly to you guys saying, right, what about the rest of the range and what other products are you going to introduce? And I know we can and can't talk about certain things, but you guys are innovators and you're playful and creative. So presumably that part of the journey has also been moving apace. Tell us tell us what you can about it. 100%. I would just say that, you know, in the beginning, one of our biggest problems was we went out of stock so many times and we wanted to launch so many new things and we just couldn't do it. Suppliers let us down. And so we just pulled back and we focused on our core product, making small tweaks, making it better along the way. But of course, we, we design all our own products in-house. So we have a very hungry industrial designer who wants to be known for many things beyond just one product. What we've been really spending time on is focusing on whatever we come out with next. It has to make sense and has to be as good as our, our current product in a way that you know you set a bar where design, performance, and sustainability can be combined without compromise. Whatever we do next, we want to uphold those values. Because when we launched Suri with the idea that we want to create a product that is, doesn't compromise on performance, looks good in your bathroom and is enjoyable to use from an experience point of view and is the most sustainable electric toothbrush on the market. Now, for us, those are challenges. You know, when you have values, you're constantly improving on them. So we're improving on all all aspects. But I, I guess without not telling you anything. I mean, this came out so we can say we're looking at toothpaste. So that's something we're, we're looking at and just looking at different formats. Actually, it was you, Tom, who planted the seed at the very beginning, like, hey, where are you guys going to go next? Will you do this? And it's so funny. You were so spot on with some of your predictions, like, which have all come true. And I'm, I'm a very prescient observer of all of these different marketplaces, Mark. You know, I reckon kind you of must, you must speak to a lot of entrepreneurs. <laughs> I mean, you, your, your finger's on the pulse. And so, yeah, I think toothpaste really has some exciting innovation coming through. But then also we'll never stop innovating on our brushes. We get a lot of requests from all sorts of people with ideas and we very much like to listen to the consumer. That's probably one of the core strengths. When we listen to consumers, they told us we're not using Bluetooth. We would like a longer lasting battery. We hate that gunk that forms in the bottom. Is there a way we can avoid that? And so we've continued that process of really listening to people and what is it you want from a brush? What does he want from a kid's toothbrush and etc. And so that's very much going to form what we're doing into the future. We listen to our consumers. We've done surveys. We ask them questions. And, I, and that's how we start. And I think when you do user-centric design, sometimes the results surprise you. And so one of the things that surprised us was people wanted to be able to repair our, their toothbrush themselves. So that is something we're very much working towards. Like Currently, we do it for our customers. I believe we're the only brand that has that full circle loop. And we're working on a way that they can do it and watch this space that is something that we're it's very hard because it's it's obviously how do you make it so that, you know, it's waterproof and at the same time it, it can have the high-powered motor in it, but then people could take it apart and change the components. So that's something we're working on and we've managed to crack it in our prototypes, so watch this space. Exciting. You might need to vet your end users, though. I should not be trusted to repair anything. I don't know if you... But you both nod worryingly like you would get exactly that. Diagnostic tool, that, that's why I think it's very important. You know, if I'm, if I'm planting another seed for the future what could you do in terms of diagnostics medical whatever this is one for another for another day perhaps although mark now he wants to jump in straight away so we won't we won't reveal too much but there are some things which we believe add value and there are some things that don't but there is some incredible technology when it comes to diagnostics in the same way that Ura and whoop have you know ways of capturing data there are some genuinely game-changing data that you can capture via saliva so let's see what an opportunity. I just want to pick up on one thing that, Gabe, I think you said, but I want to ask you both a little bit about this, just as a clue as to your entrepreneurial strategy, your business strategy, because the whole business, as you said, is predicated on 
doing these core pillars, these these business values without compromise. And yet any entrepreneur will tell you that compromise is fundamental to making a business work. You have to compromise with one another as your team grows and so on. So how do you compromise without compromise? compromise? <laughs> Did you have any advice for other maybe aspiring entrepreneurs out there? I don't know if I said this last time, but Mark cringes when I say it just because it it's kind of cheesy. But I feel like it's grown even more so with, with Suri that for us, we, we believe that you have to create a minimal, lovable product. Viable is no longer the solution. There's so much competition around. People have access to third-party manufacturing, 3D printers. They can make samples at home. So you have to get it down to a level where people really enjoy the essence and compromise on the other parts. And I feel like I'm very detail-oriented and probably too detailed. And so I feel like everything is a compromise all the time when we change something. But a big part is, is testing. So we, when we launched our Suri, we, our first Suri electric brush, the first thing we did was test with around 100, 100 or so dentists, sustainability experts. We really wanted to get input on all different fronts. So people said, well, that's not sustainable if you ship it like that. And so testing is important. I think at one point you have to have a, a good gut feel also because there are some things, maybe it's a touch screen, you might think, oh, well, people want keyboards, right? So you have to be able to, to make that decision and just run with it. And those are the risks you take and then hope that, that it lands. Also, you say part of running a business is you have to compromise. No one's ever told Eve that because there are certain <laughs> things that this guy just does not compromise on at all. And I think that's that's one of the strengths. It's one of the things I think that makes it a strong partnership. Let's just look to the future. And I know I, I tend to always do this when I'm chatting with folks who are driving businesses, growing businesses, who are ambitious. What are you most excited about in the minute? And how do you balance those range of time horizons that you have to be juggling given the role you that you do? So I'll tell you one. In in the short term, I received an email at 10.30. Gee and I both received this email last week from a customer who said that they were very impressed with the product. It was absolutely fabulous and huge congrats to the team. And the email's from a man called Johnny Ive, and so this came in at 10.30 at night. I think at 10.32, I got a phone call from Give being like, have you just seen that email? And then we were just so excited. I think we spoke for another two hours. I couldn't sleep that night. Getting that feedback from someone like Johnny is a huge source of motivation. But actually, hearing consumers talk about how they look forward to brushing their teeth, it's such a source of genuine excitement for me, like all the time. And quite frankly, if you know your enjoyment is like when you sell the company or when you hit that milestone, I feel like you miss out on the day-to-day. And actually, there's nothing I'd rather spend my sort of time on than this mission with Kiev and with the rest of our team. It's something that I feel so passionate about and I get to enjoy every day. So that's the excitement in the short term. But then into the sort of medium and long term, 30% of our sales are in the US. We have this massive sort of range of people contacting us from around the world. We just featured in a prominent German newspaper and saw a flurry of activity in Germany, even though we're not proactively selling there yet. And it's just really wonderful. In fact, can I tell you one anecdote? I know I'm going on a little no, bit No, we love an anecdote. This is the, this is the venue for shaggy dog so, stories. Mark. Go for it. So maybe your, your listeners are familiar with this, but I was invited to go to L.A. a couple of weeks ago to speak at a, a direct-to-consumer event. And on my way, I went to visit some friends who live in the Pacific Palisades, and I'd heard about this sort of mythical store called Erewhon. And I wanted, you know, I, I love... Often featured in Monocle, Mark, you're in good company. Ah, okay. Yeah. Well, so I love retail. I live and breathe, you know, any time I go to a city, I want to go and see different retailers and understand how they're merchandising. So we go into Erewhon, sure enough, 
beautiful merchandising straight away of the vegetables. I go to the health and beauty aisle and they've got these incredible side caps with companies like Seed, like Jolie, like Uni. And I'm on the aisle and this lady, Sarah, says to me, oh, hi, can I help you? I'm the store manager. And I said, oh, well, you know, we've just come over from London. We make electric toothbrush. She said, just hold on right there. You don't make that one, which is really beautiful. It's slim. You can repair the battery. The heads are made from plant-based materials. You offer free recycling. I was like, I don't think there's another brand like that. I was like, yeah. And I was like, well, let me check. What, what's it called? And she said, well, I, I can tell you what it's called because my dog is called Suri. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that's the reason. Okay, well, fair enough. Anyway, she said, oh, my goodness, you guys have got to sell here. This would be the perfect product for our customers. And then by coincidence, the next day, I bump into the buying team. And suffice to say, let's see where the future holds. <laughs> oh, I love that. Gabe, I'll ask you perhaps just finally, it's pretty easy to get enthused and you can see why you guys bounce off each other so well, but same kind of things. You've got to have quick wins, longer term goals and be as excited about each, I suppose. I mean, I'd say the most amazing thing about our company is how different Mark and I are. And I think that is such a secret sauce that we have. I mean, we just feed off energy from each other. It's actually quite magical. When you're doing something that you enjoy, that's purpose driven, that has an impact, it's just a totally different feeling. That was Geeve Safavi, and before that, Mark Rushmore, the co-founders of Surrey. You can learn more about the brand by heading to trysurrey.com. And get this, a little bonus for you, as it's that kind of year, Monocle listeners can get a special discount. Use the code MONOCLE15 with a capital M when you buy. That's it for this episode of The Programme. We'll be back at the same time next week. Do look out in the meantime for Eureka, available every Friday. The Entrepreneurs was produced by Laura Kramer with mixing and editing by Tamsin Howard. You can listen again and find out more about the show at monocle.com or follow us and catch up with the archive via your preferred podcast platform. To contact the team, why not? Get in touch with Laura. Email her on lrk at monocle.com. I'm Tom Edwards. Goodbye and thanks for tuning in.